Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm especially happy that you joined us for this episode of This Week in the Word at dredhill.podbean.com. Well, let's get right to it today. If this is your first time here, I want to basically bring you up to speed so that you can understand where you're coming in. We're in the middle of a series in the Gospel of Matthew entitled Matthew's Messiah. Now, Matthew was a tax collector that the Lord called to faith in him. He became a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we'll see today that he actually is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was used by the Spirit of God to author the Gospel of Matthew. And the main goal that Matthew had as a Jewish person, his Jewish name was Levi, was to tell the Jewish people that Jesus Christ is the long-promised Messiah, King of Israel, and Savior of the world. Well, we come today to Matthew chapter 10. And I shamelessly stole the title of this episode, Matthew's Messiah, The Training of the Twelve, from a book by A.B. Bruce. His name was Alexander Balmain Bruce. What a name. But he entitled his classic study of how the Lord trained the disciples. He called that The Training of the Twelve. So for this episode, I have use his title because I think it is very fitting and you might be interested in getting that book for your library as a student of the Word. Well, let me tell you where we are as we come into Matthew chapter 10. And I want you to put yourself in the sandals of the disciples. They are fresh from weeks and months of closely following Christ down the roads of Israel, and they have seen Jesus literally still a raging sea. They have seen Jesus heal multitudes of every imaginable disease and free people from fierce demonic possession so that they return to a normal life again. They have even seen Jesus raise the dead. Now, they were not new to following Jesus. They had already shown their commitment to Matthew's Messiah. Now, they are ready for a greater assignment, and they enter what I call the University of Discipleship. And the first course is being taught today. It is a crash course in Christian leadership, a graduate-level seminar on service, it's a finishing school for the king's ambassadors. And I want you to see the pattern here, and it's one that we should always maintain even now. First, the twelve are taught by Christ. Then the twelve are sent by Christ. Notice they're taught first, and then they're sent out. It's the same way in the military, in the United States Army. Let's say a young man joins the Army and he is going to be an infantryman. He's going to be a dog-faced soldier. 
Well, they don't just sign him up at the recruiting station and send him straight into battle. That would be a ridiculous plan. Oh, no, that infantryman is going to infantry basic at Fort Benning, Georgia. And I think it's still true that he's also, he's not even going to combat from basic training. He's going to advanced individualized training, in his case, infantry training. And I think that's even done at Fort Benning as well. Some of it may be done at Fort Irwin, California. I don't know if all that's still done that way or not. But uh, when I was around the military as a pastor and had soldiers in my church, then that was the way it was done then. But the point is, you don't just sign up on the dotted line on Monday and on Tuesday you're in combat. Same way with the Lord. First the twelve are taught, then the twelve are sent by Christ. Did you know it's the same way that doctors are trained? Doctors are trained on this principle, especially surgeons. Watch one, do one, teach one. Watch one, do one, teach one. The apostles are now at step two. They are going to be given the assignment, go out and do this. You've watched me do it, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ. You've watched me do it. I'm going to train you and send you out and you do it. And then, of course, much of the rest of their ministry as apostles would be to teach others how to do it. Watch one, do one, teach one. By the way, that little formula works for everything even teaching a child how to ride a bicycle. Now, they are about to be sent out without Jesus with them physically. I've got that in all bold letters, all caps. Up to this point, they have always been able to to look three feet away or look across the street, and there would be the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he's going to train them and send them out, and they're going to be all on their own as the Messiah King's ambassadors with the same message and the same ministry proclaiming the terms of peace offered by him to the rebels against his coming kingdom. Now take that in. The ministry of the twelve was modeled exactly on Christ's ministry in terms of his preaching and his power. And you know what? That's never really changed with authentic ministry. The problem today, as I see it, is a whole lot of preaching with no power. The message that they were brought was to be modeled exactly on Christ's message. And here it is. The kingdom of heaven is at hand And they were calling sinners, these rebels, to repent of sin and turn to Christ, the King, before it was too late. And you know what passes for preaching today is shocking. There is very little of thus saith the Lord from exegesis and exposition of the Scriptures verse by verse, and that explains a lot about so-called churches today. In fact, anybody who does that today 
will be at the same time one of the most popular preachers of his day and also one of the most hated preachers of his day. Why do I say that? People who really love the Lord are starving to be fed from the Word of God. So any preacher who does that, people will come to support that ministry and be blessed by it. At the same time, any preacher who actually exegetes and exposits the Scriptures verse by verse Throngs of people will yawn about that and walk away because they hate it. Well, shame on them. Amen. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 42. Now, this, as I said, is what I call the University of Discipleship. Jesus Christ himself is the instructor. The disciples are the students. And do you know who we are? Although we are not going to be apostles, of course. We also are mathetes. We are learners of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what disciples means. Learners. And just as they learned that day, we should learn right here as well. Matthew 10, verses 1 through 42. Now, I've broken this into sections and I will make some comments, but I'm going to do the best I can <laughs> to stick to the text. Here we go. Now, this is the Lord Jesus Christ delivering these, this instruction. So listen up, people. Verse 1, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits, to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. Now, let's just stop right there. He gave them power, exousia. This is not the word that where we get our word dynamite from, like uh, dy dynamic or energy. That's not the word used. He gave them exousia, authority. Whose authority? His he gave them power, authority against unclean spirits. If you don't know that demons exist, wake up. Jesus Christ, one of the first weapons he gave them was authority against unclean spirits. These are the fallen angels that we commonly call demons. They are actively at work against believers in Christ. They are enslaving lost people. They are just messing up everything that, that, that God tries to do in someone's life. They're trying to mess that up. Of course, they're not greater than God. And so here, the disciples, they're given power, authority, Christ authority against unclean spirits to cast them out. You know, I looked at the Greek text this morning, and I'm no great Greek scholar, trust me on that, but I can use an English Greek interlinear New Testament, that must cost a lot of money. Actually, the one I use today is free. Go to Bible Gateway, look for the translations, and look for the Mount's uh, Greek interlinear New Testament, I think it's called. It's one of your choices, and you can do it too. And then you can click on a word, and it'll tell you what the Greek word is and what it means. Anybody can do this, almost. So try that. So he gave them 
authority against unclean spirits to cast them out. That idea of casting them out means to forcefully exert, uh, I'm forgetting the word uh, that I want here, um, expel them. That's what I'm trying to say, to forcefully expel them. They don't want to go. Doesn't matter. You got to go. And they had to go. And to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So there wasn't anything that they could not heal with the power, the authority that Christ gave them. Now, this is exactly the same thing the Lord Jesus Christ did. Now, the power was not with them, but they go with his exousia, his authority. All right, let's go next to verses 2 through 4. We're going to see list or a list here of these 12 disciples. And I believe there are two other, let's see, two other times in the Gospels, and I think once in Acts, but there are other lists of the disciples. Every list, the first disciple always is Peter, and the last disciple mentioned is always Judas, who betrayed Christ. Now, you'll see as we read through this, they seem to be teamed up in a, a buddy system. Two, they would go out, you know, two by two, that idea. And, it, and they also seem to be grouped, as we look at the list all over the Gospels and the book of Acts, in three teams of four each. So this was not what we would say willy-nilly. The Lord Jesus Christ had a strategy. He had a plan. He had tactics. He organized this. So let's look at verses 2 through 4. Now the names of the 12 apostles, and here we see they're not called disciples, but apostles. That is a, a hand-picked representative, a messenger. We would call them maybe ambassadors. An ambassador is a, an apostle, a messenger sent from his nation with authority to speak for his nation. Well, that's who they are in the kingdom of Christ. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the publican. That's the same Matthew who wrote what we're reading right now. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus. Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. So there's your list of the 12 disciples that are now called the 12 apostles. Now notice their method and procedure. It's to the Jew first and only right now. Later, it will be to the Jew first, and then to the Greek, that is, then to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, the nations. But here, in this first assignment, they are to go only to the Jewish people in Israel. And I think, uh, one of the commentators I was reading pointed this out, I'll give him credit, he said that probably since Christ had already gone to the Jews and to the Gentiles, Remember the uh, Samaritan woman and the people in the city that came out and they came to faith in him and the 
the others that came to Christ, you know, we can think of the Syrophoenician woman who begged him for help. Jesus could have been copied even in this, but he didn't want that done yet. Now they would do that, but not yet. So let's see what he says here. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles, that is the non-Jewish people, and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's the Jewish people. So he tells them exactly the people group that he wants them to go to, their own people first, because every one of these disciples were Jewish. Now, I want you to see that he equips them with a simple, powerful message backed up with powerful proof. Verses seven and eight. And as you go, preach. That word preach is a word that means to proclaim, just like a king's herald would come into a city, let's say in England, and say, hear ye, hear ye. The king says this, and he would make the declaration. And as ye go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, Cast out devils freely, ye have received, freely give. So this was not to be turned into a a money-making venture. (laughs) They had been given this authority and ability from him, and they were to freely give that to the people they preached to. And these miracles would authenticate their powerful message about Jesus Christ as the long-promised Messiah and the Savior of the world. Then we see that in this assignment, this first one, they were told that they could, could trust him completely for daily needs on this assignment. They were not to think ahead or prepare or make provision. They were to just go. I get the feeling that they were to go once he was done, like right now, what are you waiting on? (laughs) Maybe so. Later, he will tell them differently that they are to make preparation and to put forethought into their efforts on his behalf. He would still take care of them, of course, but they were expected to use their their God-enlightened minds to plan ahead, okay? So there's no contradiction there. He just tells them how he wants this first mission done. So here we are. Verse nine, provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses. That is in their money belts that they carry. They didn't have to run home or go out and and do a side hustle or a side job or get involved in the gig economy to earn some money to go do this. He said, no, don't don't do that. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses nor scrip for your journey. Neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves. That is like a, a staff or rod. 
for the workman is worthy of his meat. Now that's a principle the Lord Jesus Christ puts into play right here. And we're going to see how this works out. Verse 11. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire, this means to, to do an investigation is what that means. Inquire who in it is worthy. That's the word axios. It means of equal weight, equal value. Like, hey, you're trying to tell the good news? Find somebody who truly wants to hear it. Inquire who in it is worthy and there abide till ye go thence. So they're going to find out who, who wants to work with them, who wants to hear the truth. They're going to stay at their home and eat their food, eat with them, be taken care of by these hosts. Now, this is a very important thing in Jewish culture, and it still is really around the world. If someone needs shelter and food and you take them in, you're responsible for them. You're to take care of them. So they, they would not have a hard time finding many people in these cities who would be willing to do that. They would be taken care of. Verse 12, and when you come into an house, salute it, that is greet it. You know, explain why you're there. Start telling the good news and see if they're with you or against you? <laughs> Are they for you or against you? And if the house be worthy, there's that word again, axios, of equal weight, equal value. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, like they say, hey, we don't want to hear that. Get out of our house. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. <laughs> Maybe they were to take their sandals off and clap them together. I don't know. But they were to let it be known like, hey, uh, this is on you, buddy. We tried to do the right thing. Verse 15. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Now, several things here I want to point out. Some people think Sodom and Gomorrah is like a fairy tale. It's been found. It's being excavated. Look it up. Watch the videos. It's a real place, and it was really destroyed. It's south, of, right on the, the shores of the Dead Sea. Probably a reason the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea. And what happened there is the men of that city wanted to have sexual relations with the visitors that came to warn Lot. Now, that's a long story back in the Old Testament. And you can look it up. I, I think it's in the book of Genesis. But God destroyed that city because it was given over to homosexuality. It was a tough place. And they could have repented, but they didn't. And God judged them. And God saved Lot and his family. Now, Jesus speaks here about a day of judgment. There is coming for the entire world, everyone who lives here, a day of judgment. And yet Jesus says, hey, Sodom and Gomorrah are going to get off with less judgment than people who reject your Christian testimony. Think about that. The world is in trouble, my friends. This is from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ. Take it in. Now, as 
these disciples go out, and we should be this way today as well. They should have wise conduct. I mean, they need to really have some street smarts here. Wise conduct and perseverance in persecution. Persecution? Who ever said anything about that? Well, it's going to come. If you're a Christian, you're going to suffer some degree of persecution, maybe even intense. Maybe even some of us will be called on by the Lord Jesus Christ to be his witness unto death. I no longer fear death. I used to. I no longer fear it. I'm not looking forward to a painful death. (laughs) And I don't say that lightly, but I'm just saying if you or I are called to do that, we'll be given the grace to do it when that time comes. Maybe some will go to prison or be tortured or lose their jobs or be disowned by their families or just negated and persecuted by the governments that we live under. We are starting to see that, by the way. It's all good. Have wise conduct and perseverance in persecution. Now let's see what he says. Verse 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now that is a frightening picture, my friends. If we were to take some sheep today and let them loose in a pasture filled with hungry wolves, it ain't a fair fight. Those sheep are going to die. Thankfully, the Lord is mightier than the wolves we face. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents. You know, the serpent in the garden had a certain amount of wisdom and outsmarted Adam and Eve, right? Well, we are to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Let me tell you something. If you walk down the street of life completely clueless, you're going to get your head knocked off your shoulders. And I can't make it any more blunt than that. We are not to be people who charge mindlessly into martyrdom. If we have legal rights, we are to use them to the last degree. If we have the ability to, to be wary of things and careful about things, and we should do that. But if we can't be true to the Lord without going through persecution, I'm going through persecution. How about you? So we're to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. It doesn't hurt to know how the world operates. And I'm telling you, I've been reading a 600-page book on Al Capone and the city of Chicago and all the corruption that has been there for 150 years or more, probably more, I'm telling you, this is one corrupt world, and if you can't understand why we see what we see today, you need to read a book like that, and you need to find out what makes this lost world go round and quit being a simpleton. Brother Ed, you are being very direct today. Yes, I am. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves, but beware of men. 
for they will deliver, and this is a word for people, for they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in their synagogues. So it talks about the courts and then punishment among the Jewish people. If they were going to be punished, it would be in a synagogue. They were, would be scourged. That means literally beaten. Bad news. Bloody news. Awful news. One thing I'll tell you, though, maybe the criminal justice system to do, should do this, is rather than giving people, you know, 50 to life and stuff like that, how about just beat them within an inch of the life? And I bet they won't do what they did again. It works. <laughs> Verse 18, And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake. You know, we used to see things like this. Just think, when would I ever go for a governor or a king? Well, in 2020 and 2021, people are starting to have to deal with that level of government because they're in trouble with them. And you can fill in the blanks on that. And you should be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony, a witness against them and the Gentiles. By the way, uh, we're starting to see here now the idea of martyrdom, potential martyrdom. <laughs> Woo! We're getting into high water now, deep water. Verse 19, but when they deliver you up, that idea of deliver up means with force. I mean, they're dragging you into this. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour when ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. You know, left to my own devices, I would say things that I ought not to say. But if I'll just trust God, if there's something that needs to be said, God will say it through me, and it'll be exactly the right thing which honors Christ. Verse 21, And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death and the father of the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men. The idea of hatred there is like a real malice toward those who love the Lord. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end that is, the one that stays under this heavy load to the end, those are the ones who are going to be rescued. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. That's what Christ says here. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. Now this section here seems to look into the distant future from when he said it to the last days, literally to the persecution going on not, in the, not only in the world, but especially in Israel among the Jewish people in the great tribulation, the 70th week of Daniel. And he says that before he comes, before they can get the gospel out to all of Israel, the believers of that day, 
that he would return. So I'm not getting into all of that right now because he's going to go over more of that in Matthew 24 and 25. So we're going to save that kind of thing for then. But this is a very far-reaching visionary instruction the Lord is giving here. Verse 24, the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. And if you go back and you read this in Greek, there is a, a beauty and a symmetry in the Greek that I'm not going to try to rehearse before you right here. But if you go back and do that, you're going to love the way the Lord delivered verse 24. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. Now, what does he mean? Well, he's fixing to plug it in right here. He's about to click the seatbelt right here, verse 25. If they have called the master of the house, Beelzebub, that's a, another word, essentially, when you dig all the way back through it, it's a word for Satan. If they have called the master of the house, Beelzebub, Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Do you understand what that means? Religious people, if you are true to Jesus, religious people especially who would be calling, dealing with things of Satan and all that kind of stuff, they would be the ones that would say that you are following Satan while they're following God. That is especially going to be true in the tribulation period. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, which they, they essentially call the Lord Jesus Christ that, okay? How much more shall they call them of his household? So if Jesus has been spoken ill of, how is it that we think, if we follow him, that we're going to escape that? Now, I'm old enough to remember the 70s and 80s in America when it was almost hip to be called a Christian. You know what? Today, increasingly, it's a sneer. And if somebody is really true, blue, sold out to Jesus Christ, doesn't mean you're perfect, it means you're real and you really love the Lord Jesus Christ above everyone else and everything else, you will be hated on some level. You will be called names that you're not even sure what those names mean. But you know what the Lord Jesus Christ says here in verses 26, 27, 28 is basically where it is a badge of honor is essentially what he says. Look at verse 26. Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. In other words, in the future, regarding who you really are and who they really are, it is all going to be known. It's going to be shown that you are following Jesus and those who persecute you were following Satan. Verse 27, What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light, 
and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. In other words, the real you. But rather fear him, this would be God, but rather fear him which is able to, to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now it's interesting here, the Lord has spoken earlier about a day of judgment. And here he says that not only would people be destroyed who go to hell in their soul, but in their body as well. It is a living, eternal death of judgment. Friends, if you've been mocking hell, you need to wise up. It's real, real enough that Jesus even refers to a body being destroyed in hell. Wow. And he came so that you and I would never have to go there. We can trust him, be saved, and be delivered from ever going to that awful place. All right, now we're going to see that as you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, the disciples were to do that, and as we do it, that we are not forgotten and we will be rewarded. We're not forgotten, and we will be rewarded by Christ. Now, it helps to understand that the world we live through, and I'm just passing through, I don't know about you, but this place is not my home. This world that we're passing through is a battlefield, not an amusement park. Come on. And if, if, you're, if you think you're belonging to Jesus, and you are not being harassed in some way, you need to step up your God game. You either need to be saved or you need to step up your game for Jesus. On some level, you're going to have trouble going through this world because we are soldiers of the Lord. We're wearing his uniform and Satan's armies in this battlefield world that we're going through are at war with us. Let that sink into your heart. And then you won't be shocked when things are hard, when people mistreat you, when you're having spiritual opposition that you can't even see or understand. It's all going to make sense then, and you'll just cinch up your chin strap and lock and load and get through this thing for the glory of Jesus. Now, if you think this world's your home and you're making it as comfy as you can make it for yourself and you're actually hoping the Lord never returns in your lifetime, you need to find out if you're saved. Boom, there it is. Verse 29. Here's more encouragement that we're not forgotten and we will be rewarded. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? Like at the temple sacrifices, if a very poor person wanted to make a sacrifice, there would be these exceedingly cheap 
birds they could buy in order that, that everyone could take part, okay? Are not two sparrows, two sparrows sold for a farthing? This is a tiny amount of money. I think it was the, the tiniest amount. And they're thinking, yeah, that sounds right. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And yet one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. Wow. Even if these succeedingly cheap birds, if one of them was flying and died and hit the ground, this, is, this fascinates me. It amazes me. Our Heavenly Father is aware of that and takes note of it. You better watch out how you treat animals. Amen. Verse 30, But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. The Lord accounted for the hairs of our head. Wow. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men. That word confess, homologeo, means to say the same thing that the Bible says about Jesus. Like if you're put on the spot, whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. It's like the Lord says, he's with me, Father. I know him. Amen. Verse 33, but whosoever shall deny me before men, that is like disavow him. Like, I don't know who he is. I don't belong to him. I was never a Christian. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Let that seep into your heart. Verse 34, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Now here's his point. The, the, the cause of division is over what people believe about him, who they believe or don't believe that he is or isn't. Verse 37, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That idea of more means above. It doesn't mean that you don't have obvious care for your father and mother and your family and all of that. But your love for Jesus far exceeds that of family. And if family forces you to take a side, you side with Jesus Christ, even if it costs you your family. Verse 38, Pastor Ed, how in the world could I ever do this? You're about to find the secret right here. 
And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. It's that axio, same word. Not of equal weight, of equal value. Now, what does he mean? Well, in Roman times, if you were told to take up your cross, that meant pick it up and carry it to where you are going to die. People picked up a cross once because it would end in their death. And trust me, Romans knew how to do one thing really well. They knew how to kill the enemies of Rome. So Jesus uses that. And he that taketh not his cross, that is, if you, you, you are uh, repulsed from taking up the cross, you flee that because to you, your life above all is most important. Then you're not worthy of him. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. The Christian life is where we exchange lives. Our life dies and Christ's life lives in us. And we die to the things of the world. And that gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, by the way, the more you follow the Lord, so that even if you were literally required to be crucified and say, well, when would that ever happen? Some of the terror groups have crucified believers in the last few years. It's been videoed. But Christ here is, although that may be the ultimate, death may be the ultimate testimony to Christ, literally. He's talking here about we die to our life, ourself, what we want, the way we think things should be. I need to be comfortable above all things. No, you don't if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not, then comfort will be your primary goal. But a Christian t takes up the cross and follows Jesus. Verse 39, He that findeth his life shall lose it. That is, people who are living for this life they want the best life now and all that stuff. He that findeth his life shall lose it. You know, if you became the richest man or woman in the world and you had more than heart could wish and you never suffered a day in your life and you lived to be 200 years old, you're going to lose everything, including your soul, for eternity. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Amen. Verse 40. He that receiveth you receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a, 
a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple. Verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. God has not forgotten you and he will reward you. We need to remember though that living through this life where we're only passing through on our way to the kingdom of God, this is a battlefield and we will be shot at. You've got to remember that, friends. So we've seen a little bit of the training of the 12, but maybe you're realizing that you're not part of the group being trained. You're, you're maybe even a churchgoer or a religious person. Maybe you belong to some other religion, or maybe you hate religion. You're a proud atheist. Hey, whatever. You're realizing right now you need Christ as your Savior and Lord so you can know for sure how your eternity will turn out, where you'll live forever with him instead of continuing to follow Satan into an eternal hell. What a tragic choice. Well, don't do that. Change the direction of your eternity today. Write this number down, 877-247-2426. One more time. 877-247-2426 or go to chataboutjesus.com chataboutjesus.com listen Romans 3.23 says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God now that has a consequence that we find in Romans 6.23 for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And then this is how you come to Christ, right here, Romans 10, 8 through 13. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, I thank you for listening today to This Week in the Word. I hope it has encouraged you as you've heard the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ right from the Gospel of Matthew and that you are assured in your heart that you are following Matthew's Messiah. And if you're not, you need to start today by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, subscribe or follow this podcast so that you'll hear every episode each week when it's posted at dredhill.podbean.com and share it with others right here where you're listening. God bless you. I look forward to teaching you again next week on This Week in the Word.